Hey, I'm Will. And this is Benj. We're both church planners trying to work out how to form churches in this post-pandemic world. I lead a church that's trying to grow big. And I lead a church that's trying to grow small. But we share an interest in the beautiful and diverse future of the church in Australia. What will it look like? How will it adapt and innovate and thrive? If you're asking these questions too, then join us as we host a range of conversations with diverse thinkers and practitioners around what comes next. Welcome to the Forming Church Podcast, brought to you by Gen 1K and our vision to see a thousand healthy churches in a generation. You might already be having these conversations within your tribe, but we want to form a community that brings divergent thoughts together. My name's Jamie. I was a church planter and now I'm helping others to plant churches as the Gen 1K mission team leader. Instead of this increasing polarization, we want to learn how to explore different perspectives with a commitment to learning from each other. So at the end of every episode, I've gathered some friends for a roundtable conversation to explore how these ideas might play out in your context. Follow us on Instagram and join our Forming Church podcast Facebook group to add your voice to the conversation. Hey guys, I'm not Benj or Will. We thought we'd flip the table today and spend some time asking these guys about what they've learned throughout this season of the Forming Church podcast. They've obviously sat down with a range of different guests and heard a range of different perspectives. So we're keen to hear what you guys have learned. What stood out to you? You're flipping the table. Yeah, it's no, flipped. I, <laughs> is, this a, I, is this a Jesus style? Like yeah. aggressive in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lovingly, Lovingly ag- aggressive. Lovingly yeah. flippant. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I was just sort of reflecting then. Uh, it seems like we've sort of over the last couple of days and weeks had a, a fire hydrant of, um, of ideas and stories and perspectives. Um, a few of the things that have stood out to me um, is uh, we, we had a conversation with Louise uh, Bartlett around um, – Kids and how do we, how do we view our our children as part of our community, not just as um, uh, little bundles that bring joy or things that are cute or um, adults waiting to happen, but as as disciples, as co-learners, and uh, that has been really challenging for me um, because I, I I have to admit that you know kids ministry, uh, what we do for kids, has easily become an afterthought in in the church planting process when all, all the other stuff is going on. And um, so just actually thinking about our, our kids as co-disciples, uh, that has been a, a really helpful shift for me and one that I'll carry forward. Yeah, there's lots of things that stand out for me. You know, one of them is that we interviewed guests both from Australia and internationally and people from different, uh, different denominations. It's not just a strictly Baptist, you know, interview list or anything like that people in different size churches, people in different contexts, but it did feel like there were some common themes that came through and it felt like there was um, maybe less hostility than there has been in the past to ideas of the church looking multiple ways, being less tribal. Um, I like that Kim Hammond talked about we're trying to be an and church. We're trying to be, you know, mega as well as micro and not um, just have to commit to one of those options. And that came through, I think, quite a bit, which was really good. Um, definitely some, you know, some conversations that were convicting. I, I think in the same way, Bench, that you were just talking about, you know, how we maybe have thought about children's ministry. I think our conversation with Brooke Prentice was obviously um, a strong 
reminder. I love that Brooke shared that if the church doesn't engage with, um, you know, our First Nations people and with uh, processes of, of relationship and reconciliation, we actually miss out on a deeper relationship with Jesus and we are withholding from ourselves, um, you know, what it could look like to have that faith informed by our First Nations people. So, yeah, that stood out. Any, any other things that come to your mind, Bench? Yeah, there's definitely um, some, I saw themes emerging uh, pretty early on. Um, really common uh, references to story and the story that we are living out and telling ourselves about the, the church, both in, you know, what are we inviting people into, but the vision and the picture that we have of the church that's working together, that's beautiful, that's and, that's diverse, that's uh, not hostile towards itself. Um, that was a really common, common theme. Um, another one that just seemed to come up over and over again was just about location and locality and neighborhood and being called mm. to place. And even in the midst of, you know, a globalizing world where we're even through the, I think in our conversation with Kim, we talked about how, you know, through uh, the lockdown, which uh, a lot of people have experienced, um, we're spending more and more time online and yet the location that we live in has become really important as well mm. as we've spent more time where we live, uh, connecting with neighbours, seeing people more walking our streets and uh, just the sort of paradox of the sort of online global citizens that we are and yet how much our local street neighbourhood informs who we are and what we're doing and what God's doing uh, in amongst us. Yeah, love that. That's great. In terms of what that looks like, uh, the neighbourhood presence and ministry for you guys currently, do you want to paint uh, those who are listening a bit of a picture of the life of your churches in that space? Yeah. So, um, yeah, we we uh, were very informed by some of Tim Soren's writing, um, Mike Forrest's writing, um, a bunch of the missional thinkers around engaging locally. I had this sort of the streams of, you know, uh, Hillsong, Large Church, Ark, um, Launch Large, but also being really embedded, becoming a character of the neighborhood. And so um, we gathered a launch team. Um, a lot of those were coming from our sending church, some, some from uh, other places as well. And we really set the bar and called people to move into the neighborhood to become part of the neighborhood. And really that came um, from... I guess I think it was uh, a book called um, The Simplest Way to Change the World, which is about hospitality, neighboring. There's another book called The Art of Neighboring, which is great. Um, in one of those, it talks about, you know, the greatest way to change the world is to change your country. And the greatest way to change your country is to change your neighborhood. And the greatest way to change your neighborhood is to do what Jesus did, do what Jesus asked us to do, and love our neighbors. Um, and that concept that, you know, Jesus said, uh, "You will. they will know you are my disciples, my followers, by the way that you love one another. And so we just really wanted to live and be intentional about um, becoming characters of our neighborhood and, and uh, have a real focus on uh, we're building um, our small group uh, our structure is called Dinner Parties. Uh, which is just a based around a meal. It's a based around community, uh, hearing what God's doing in other people's lives. Um, but our, our ultimate vision is that everyone in our church would have a dinner party within walking distance of their house. And so the, the sense of locality being called a place has been really important for us. 
It's mm. great. One of the things that we found early on was that we had a whole bunch of people engaged in their community uh, through the lens of being sent ones into that place. And uh, I remember having a conversation with someone early on in our leadership team who just said, why aren't we seeing the fruit from this? And it was a great question. And one of the points that we began to reflect on was this whole idea that where are people being exposed to us loving one another? And by imagining that in the context of a neighbourhood, it actually puts boundaries around that and enables us to actually visualise and inhabit that space in a really powerful way. And so we found that as we began to gather uh, in social settings and love one another and invite other people into that space and to participate in other people's social gatherings in that space, that that one anotherness uh, and, and people being exposed to that love was actually really powerful and tangible. Mm. Yeah, the other thing that all of that makes me think about, I love the sentence language and um, I'm inspired by the going into the neighbourhood talk, but I think it came out in Tim's conversation as well, just the idea that we can easily set ourselves up as always the helper, mm. always the saviour, always there to fix the problems. And that's just a continued colonisation, which I actually don't think is uh, very good news for the neighbourhood and is, is not a very holistic understanding of the gospel. And it's an easy trap to fall into, thinking that we are the experts in a place but to be learners of a place, I think, is is a huge thing. And so what it looks like in the context of meeting ground church is that we have a value of wanting to genuinely participate in the community beyond us, not just as those who give, but as those who receive. So, you know, on the Central Coast where we live, obviously it's been a bit different this year, but one of the big events we, we're looking forward to being a part of is the Harvest Festival, where we go up and we just celebrate all of the produce that has been grown on the land that we live on and actually to go up there and, and to eat that food, to, to talk to local farmers and to celebrate what God is doing through just the abundance of the land. Um, so, yeah, we, we are excited, I guess, to, to look at our local community through, with new eyes and to actually see what great stuff is already happening here that we can learn from, that we can see Christ in and that we can kind of gently move into participation, which I feel like a lot of that, there's resonance again with what Brooke was saying. Um, she talked about treading gently. She talked about going and, and deeply listening and sitting where there is grief and sitting together in that. So, yeah, I think uh, I'm, you know, wondering how we as a church can sit in the grief of our neighbourhood, celebrate the beauty in our neighbourhood and participate in an exchange that's relational. Mm, that's great. And Tim used that language of the neighbourhood being formational and I found that really powerful, yeah. So if you guys were to sit down and have a wine, coffee, beer, whiskey with the, one of these guests again and ask a follow-up question, who would you sit down with and what would you ask them? And what would the beverage be? Okay, start <laughs> with that. <That's laughs> well, just on, a, just on a sort of selfish personal level, I think it's clear that we developed quite the man crush on Tim. Uh, I'd love to sit in his, his coffee shop. I'd happily drink coffee, whiskey, beer, anything uh, with him. Um, but the question I actually would be interested in asking is probably one that I would be interested in asking any of our guests. And I feel like we could have probably pushed a little bit further in this. And maybe if we make more of this in the future, we'll continue to ask this. But I feel like we, we addressed maybe what the future church could look like. And we spoke maybe about some of the things we want to move away from. But I would have loved to maybe dig a bit deeper with our guests in right now in the midst of uh, our sort of restrictions living through the pandemic. 
what, how has that changed the current experience of church? And for those that do run um, services that have adapted from an in-person service to an online service, uh, if those restrictions were to be in place for the next 10 years, how would that change your game plan? How about I throw that question right back to you now, both of you? Benj, what do you reckon? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it would. It would have to. Um, and I think it uh, would cause us to multiply more, grow smaller house church style gatherings um, and have longer term. That's what we're doing at the moment. We're meeting in house churches. We uh, create content that all the house churches watch and engage in. Um, but it would have to be longer term systems of developing leaders and house church pastors basically. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, that that would certainly change. And I I think it's interesting uh, one of my questions that I would like to ask um, Joel Cave, actually. He, so he's had this incredible story. His church grew from 150 to 1,000 people in like a month or something uh, ridiculous. Um, and very, you know, structured, strategic, large, big vision. Um, and when we asked him at the end, you know, what's, what's the, um, the biggest uh, threat to the Australian church, he said events-based church. And what's, what's giving you hope? And he said it's the smaller gatherings, the, the connect groups. Um, and Dale said something similar as well, that, you know, if he was going to do it again, Dale Stevenson, uh, who again leads a, a large church, is that he would start small, um, which I just think is really interesting. I would love to drill down on that. Um, and I think that's what the pandemic is showing us, that there is opportunities in the small. There is um, advantage to the small. And I think, you know, we continually need to see both sides of the coin and I think maybe this pandemic God is showing us the other side of the coin and the strength to that and so I think there is definitely an end there and I think the the large gathering the the big events the moments of like having people in the room and it's and there's momentum and it feels like there's a sense of of God's spirit at work and there's you know the great teaching I think there's a place for that as well but it's the it's it's the developing the the end of the smaller yeah. Yeah, I think for me definitely one of the areas that I could see being reshaped that we talked a lot about is how we think about teaching and learning and how we I think we have a new opportunity to engage learning styles that maybe have been neglected or have been a bit of an afterthought, a little bit like the way we've thought about kids ministry like you were saying Benj it can be the afterthought for the planter. I think we know that people learn in different styles, but it's been so convenient just to teach through a Uh, one-to-many talk that we have probably just thought other learning styles are a bit more to the side. I think that there's a great opportunity here to get more experimental, to be more conversational, uh, to facilitate more small group kind of coaching conversations. And that's probably a big thing for me personally, but also I'd love to see in other contexts is um, pastors as well as just uh, leaders in general Um, switch more into kind of a coaching role. I see myself as wanting to come alongside the people in my faith community in their context, not pulling them out of their context into more busyness, but going and meeting them near their school if they're a teacher or going and meeting them in their their workplace or, or, you know, in their uh, spaces where they live and play in the community and actually asking good questions that draw out what is already in them. I'm not there to fill them up with new information. I'm there to draw out what God has already placed in them. 
and to nurture that and then to help them to maybe do that for other people. That's what I'd love to move more into. Yeah, absolutely. And we saw that in Ken's conversation, in Dale's conversation, in terms of the yeah. the, the key place that uh, leadership development plays, uh, starting smaller, investing in the few, doing what Jesus did and the power of that. And it's it's, it's a harder game because it's more long-term. Um but it's, it's better for the future of the church, surely. That's the power of a good question. Because that question that you raised, Will, about um, what does, uh, we've talked about potentially what the future looks like and, and maybe what things have looked like in the past. But the, the present moment for so many pastors and leaders and church planters and uh, people who are part of Christian communities is this present moment of disruption. And, and they might not even be able to imagine what the future looks like because of that and and speaking into that this this cultural moment is actually really powerful so again that's a great question um were there any other questions that you'd want to ask these guys i think the thing that comes up for me and me and ben probably spoke a little bit about this to some of our guests particularly kim hammond but um i just feel like the the reality of um deconstruction and particularly for kind of millennials who are like taking apart their faith, um, that's not going to stop happening. That's the cultural trend. And it's not just within church where kind of millennials are, are like up against any authority system seeking to take it apart, understand how it works, how it could be better. So I would just love to continue to explore the question, how do we actually walk people through that process well without being afraid of it and just kind of leaving people to go do that somewhere else or without being... Uh, so um, so complicit in it that we don't move it into any kind of hope-filled vision. Uh, I'm really interested in, in how do we actually come alongside people who are asking the big difficult questions and both affirm in them what has led them to ask those questions, the validity of their experiences that have led to that point. But then how do we actually go uh, into a stage of, of um, you know, Joel McCaro, he... he posted this thing on Instagram the other day. People don't know he's a poet and he posted a picture of a fish, uh, you know, in a fishbowl. The first fish in the fishbowl says, um, this is this is the water we have to swim in. This is kind of our world. Another fish jumps out of that fishbowl and says, ah, oh, that first fishbowl was, was really dodgy and, you know, we need to take apart that system. And then the third fish realises that it just jumped from one bowl into another bowl. We're constantly just jumping from one set of, you know, blind spots into another. So I'm just interested in how as a church we can kind of be hope-filled while continuing to acknowledge we're always going to have blind spots. We're always going to be in a, a maybe bigger but still fishbowl environment. Yeah, it's good. Um, the, the questions that come to mind for me is not to ask the guests but to go and ask uh, the kids in my community uh, what they're seeing how they see our church, how they see Jesus. Um, and the other one is to ask more questions and better questions of our Indigenous brothers and sisters uh, in my local area. Go and find um, some some Christian Indigenous leaders that, that can guide me on that. So, yeah. That's great. Thanks, guys. As we're landing this season of the Forming Church podcast, I'd love to hear your thoughts on some concrete steps forward uh, for you as individuals, for your church communities, what this could look like, applying some of this learning into your own contexts? Yeah, one for me is um, uh, Tim talked about the parish, the idea of parish as somewhere large enough to live and work and play, but small enough 
to become a character in your neighborhood. And as our church has grown, we're really finding that tension between being focused locally uh, and being embedded in our community, um, but not to the exclusion of the people that we have living in other areas that feel really called to our community, feel really called to our church that have, you know, uh, built their faith through our community and yet don't live in our exact neighborhood. Uh, What does that, how does that tension play out? And so I know I need to go and re-look at with our team and redefine actually what our parish is and get really clear about that. Um, and so that's that's one for me because we've had a very hyper hyper local focus, which I love and I don't want to lose. Um, but the the, the hyper local uh, aspect of that is probably smaller than an area where you can live, work, and play. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm keen to explore that. Yeah, for me, one of the I guess the concrete steps is um, you know we've said the whole way through that we want this to be a conversation. So in some ways, I don't want to take these ideas and just implement what Will thinks. I want to actually bring other people in, you know, let's listen to what Brooke had to share together as a group. Let's listen to what, you know, Mike or Dale or Steph or any of these guests shared and actually like ask good questions about it of each other. I'd love to um, share some of these interviews with people in our church and actually say, what do you guys think we could do to do better in how we integrate, you know, multiple generations? Let's actually demonstrate that conversation we've been talking about um and then i think the other thing that uh, as a concrete next step is just the reaffirmation of the and uh the fact that we are part of a, a network that is comprised of three different churches different expressions different approaches i don't want that just to be a token thing that we talk about i want to continue to ask uh you Benj and and craig and the team at nvbc um you know how can we continue to learn from each other how can we continue to collaborate How can we be committed um, the way that Ken talked about to relationship with intention? Yep. Uh, The other next step for me is comes out of uh, our conversation with Mike Frost and um, that teaching piece that you were talking about, Will, and um, really broadening the scope of what it means for our whole community to, to learn and to learn together and to learn in different ways. And so I think I know that uh, for that to happen, I need to uh, raise up, and, and help um, envelop the voices of other people and how do we, how do we uh, create a, a spectrum of teaching that's not just centred around the Sunday as, as good as that can be um, but it involves online stuff, it involves in-person stuff, it involves interactive stuff and so I think there's, there's lots of work and opportunity um, there. What gives you hope about the future of the church? Just to turn your own question on you. It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, I think the very fact that, that uh, through disruption, questions that maybe once felt forbidden are being asked out loud without uh, quick judgment. That gives me great hope about where God could be leading us and leading our conversations into hopefully more grace-filled spaces. Yeah, for me... Um the more conversations I have and uh, the people that I interact with, I see more and more streams colliding and learning from one another. Um, I've certainly found hope in that for myself, but I see a a beautiful hope for the church of the future that is more unified, um, diverse and beautiful, yes, but just learning and collaborating together. How about a book that you'd recommend? (laughs) Uh, A book that I would recommend, which... uh 
Benj Gould recommended to me and has probably been my go-to recommendation to a lot of people is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not a Christian book explicitly, but in terms of those tiny changes that add up, those tiny changes in our lives and then those tiny changes in the, the lives and environments around us, I think is incredible thinking for uh, any church leader really to be thinking about how they make those incremental changes that add up over time. Yeah, the book that I have recommended to the most people is Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. Great book. I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. And uh, if you're going to encourage the listeners in one way about, you know, for them, what's next, what would you say? I think for me it's just, you know, whoever you are, if you're listening to this and you identify as a follower of Jesus, um, you're a part of this. You know, there's not there's not multiple teams here and uh, we sometimes fight with each other, we sometimes disagree with each other, but I would prefer to think of us as, uh, as a family that are kind of committed enough to each other that we have to resolve our disagreements uh, rather than continuing to divorce ourselves from each other. So I would just say to you, you are a part of this and um, yours isn't the only voice at the table. Um, but your your voice and your listening presence are both needed at this table. Yeah, um, continue to seek out different perspectives. Get around people who are doing big things. I think it's very easy to get in your little bubble and feel like you're doing a big thing. Um, and and our, our thinking can shrink from that. But get around people who are thinking differently, thinking bigger, doing crazy things uh, because big dreams create big people. Benj, Will, it's been a pleasure to join you in this conversation and to see how God is at work in you and through you as you bless people uh, through these interviews and as you also bless people through your churches and the leadership that you bring. So thank you. Oh, thank you, Jamie. You have been a huge part of uh, both of our journeys in helping us and navigating uh, the planting journey. And I, I think we'd be in a very different space if uh, you weren't around. So very grateful for you. A lot of love here. Hey, if you're listening to this and you are feeling the love, then why don't you go and share this with a friend, give it a, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or uh, do an Instagram story or, or whatever you want to do. Um, if you haven't listened to all the episodes, go back, binge on these and uh, hopefully we'll be popping up in your feed again sometime soon. Well, dear friends, dear listeners, if you've made it this far, you have almost arrived at the end of the first season of Forming Church Podcast. In a moment, I'm going to share a poem to, uh, to wrap up this little uh, first chapter of the conversation we're having. But rest assured, uh, this is an intermission. This is a pause, but it is not the end of the Forming Church Podcast. We definitely feel like we're just getting started, really. And that is the vibe I get when I look in the Facebook group and see some of the, uh, the conversations and the interaction that is beginning to emerge, that is becoming a really beautiful space. So please uh, keep that up and keep this conversation going and let us know what have you got out of this. You know, you heard some of the things that Benj and I have been processing. We'd love to know what they have been for you. But before leaving you for a short hiatus as we continue to make more content, I wanted to leave you with a poem that is for you, whatever your context is, whether you are in a church that is 50 years old or 50 days old, 
whether you are a senior pastor, whether you are a, a leader of a ministry, whether you are uh, just a disciple of Jesus, trying to figure out how to follow him where you are, uh, whether your church is large, small, medium, whatever, this poem is for you. And it's called Rocket Science. It's really not that complex, is it? It's not rocket science, not astrophysics. And yet, I'm blown away by the human spirit that says the sky will not be our limit. We will build towers, rockets, grand exhibits to show the universe our place within it. But we still find it so hard to mimic the one who washed feet in oceans of grace. Be washed, be clean. But do not stop there. Take up your towel and go forth into a world that desperately needs those who have tasted and seen to become a taste of the unseen, to reflect the face of Elohim, Emmanuel, God with us. I mean, it's really not that complex, is it? Not rocket science, not astrophysics, and I'm not against rocket science or astrophysics or human progress or shiny buildings. But more than these, I just want to place my foot in the print left in front of me by the barefoot king. If I never am known by any other title, I want it to be known that I am his disciple. Not a master, but a learner who learns like you learn by doing the things you are trying to learn. And in turn, as I'm turned inside out and renewed, the ones around me might get swept up too, that we would be simply infectious and infectiously simple. Like maybe the plan all along was to change the world through ordinary people with spirit on lips and breath in lungs following the incarnate in the neighborhood sun. It's not really that complex, but it's not always that easy, is it? When you wrestle at times with inner cynic, when you've tried and pushed and pulled and scrimmaged and you have tasted dust and the words of your critics, it can seem easier to build a rocket to love your neighbour, more achievable to write a poem than talk to a stranger, more safe looking for a cure in a lab than working through hate and forgiving the dad you never had or the one you had who treated you bad or whatever trauma haunts your rear view, whatever scars you carry near you. But here we are, on day that is new, mercy drenched, and the Christ who calls calls to you. Dream big, but start with one step, one breath, one yes. The one who washed feet in oceans of grace tugs lost threads back into place. And if you look down to where your feet rest, this is where you must take next step. This is the place to feel his breath. This is the place to just say yes. Sending you love, friends, wherever you are. Keep joining us on this journey. Thank you so much for being part of this community, forming around what it looks like to be the church in Australia in our current moment.